Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're three weeks away from training camp, August is almost over, and the season is, well, it's not here yet, but it's getting closer. This week, we're talking point projections, the Blue Jackets defensemen, including one particular D-man's contract desires, and a particular playoff game from five years ago. I am Ryan Riel, and joining us for this episode, we've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good, good. And we've got not a newcomer to the canon, but a newcomer to the podcast, El Polito. Welcome to the Canon cast. Thanks, guys. I figure I may as well make an appearance. <laughs> Glad to have you. I've been waiting a couple weeks for this. So to start this episode, I want to thank one more time Jean-Luc Rampierre for, for appearing on last week's episode. If you have not listened to it, check it out. It was a really fun uh, half hour. Huge thanks to him. And uh, it was it was interesting to listen after and and what he talked about and, and seeds i know you got to talk a little about golf but but one of the things that was really cool and stood out for me was his his pretty candid assessment of really nobody knows what's gonna happen yeah no um it was really cool to go back and listen to it again and hear him discuss how or discuss i guess everything that we've been discussing all summer no one knows what's going to happen goaltending's a huge question mark we don't know what any of the young kids are gonna do it was it was really nice to see that, hey, we're not the only ones who have no idea what to expect this season. People closely associated with the team don't know either. So that was really cool. Yeah. And Al Polito, you had the we actually, you know, we took questions from the whole Canon staff. And, and one of your questions was the one about the defenseman, which was really interesting, especially, like you said, uh, coming from a former NHL defenseman. Yeah, I mean, he went the direction of general roster booting, which was really insightful. Um, I think I would probably try to ask him the question again, um, really trying to understand the value of team defense versus having those elite names on the roster. But uh, I really like where he went with the roster question. Uh, it was helpful, it was insightful, and I think it fed well into his kind of overall idea of how the team should be built. Yeah, absolutely. That was, I, and we're gonna talk this episode about roster building and the defensemen in particular. So again, thanks to Jean-Luc Grandpierre for joining us. And if you haven't listened, you can go ahead and check that out. Please do. So the first thing I want to talk about from the, the past week 
on our blog and in the general Columbus Blue Jackets atmosphere, environment, is we're getting into the point of we're three weeks out from training camp and we're getting to the point of point projections. And we've talked about this a little bit with respect to Vegas, but some some of the more uh, analytics-focused people have begun to put theirs out. And Dom Luciusiskin from The Athletic is soliciting his point projections. And Sean Tierney, who if you've not followed Charting Hockey, does a really good job of, of breaking down a lot of the analytics. And he, he came out with his over the weekend. And he has the Blue Jackets third in the Metro with 91 points. Those two things to me, hearing 91 points and third in the Metro, would not be synonymous. But I was curious as to what you guys thought. And we don't have full... Uh, we don't have a full understanding of his thinking. You can you can go through the lineups. Notably, he has Boone Jenner anchoring the second line. Uh, Emil Benstrom is not factored into his NHL lineup. Ryan Murray and Mark Sudovar are on the third pairing, so you can kind of get a glimpse. But we don't know, you know, the whole uh, environment that played. And I think he also weighted cap space, as in the Blue Jackets have a ton left, and I think maybe that played a role into how he thinks they're going to progress through the season and maybe get some help. But I was curious as to what you guys thought, in particular, that particular projection. Yeah. Um, first of all, shout out to Sean Turney, Turney with uh, Charting Hockey. He's fantastic. And um, he's a great follow if you, guys, if you guys don't follow him. He's quite excellent and very insightful during the hockey season. However, I have no idea how he's getting us to 91 points or third in the Metro unless he assumes that one of these goaltenders is going to step up and play as 90% of Sergei Bobrovsky and play as, uh, and somehow we're going to magically replace Artemi Panarin's production in the lineup without a true number two center on the roster as it stands right now. I think both of those are high. They're certainly not where I would have projected the Columbus Blue Jackets going to the season. Well, and we here at the Cannon, I'm sure we'll do, um, season projections where do we think we'll be in the standings and uh i'm just gonna come out and spoil mine right now i'm not gonna have them that high i just <laughs> I, I i mentally with the roster we have right now cannot get uh the blue jackets to 91 points no matter what kind of goaltending they get because i don't think they have the offense and they certainly don't have the depth down the center i don't ryan you mentioned that he's got boone jenner as a second line center i don't think that's a winning matchup or a winning prospect here in the uh in 2019 in the nhl you look at some other second line centers across the league you know evgeny evgeny malkin's a second line center in this league granted he's playing behind Sidney crosby but uh boone jenner is a far cry from uh malkin you've got and, the, and those are the types of players that win stanley cups and if it's not and on this current roster if it's not boone jenner it's alex winberg and we've seen that life experience and i'm not really ready to see it again so I mean, I I was it was it was exciting to see like, hey, someone doesn't think the bottom's going to totally fall out. But at the same time, I think he's got us rated a little highly there. Sure. Well, I think he's definitely optimistic. There has to be some optimist optimism just ingrained ingrained into his um, his projection, just how he does that, because I agree. I have a hard time seeing that, but even just seeing 91 points in certain metro in a vacuum doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, he has to be extremely down on the Metro as a whole for us to have 91 points to be third. And does that mean he expects the Atlantic to be great? Like, I have a hard time seeing that. I mean, you're the top three teams, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, but is Bobrovsky really going to 
catapult Florida past 91 points, you know, get them into a wildcard. Who's the fifth team then? They're probably also coming out of the Atlantic. So it's, um, I don't know. I haven't seen the chart itself, obviously, so I don't know who he has in the other spots, but he's got to be awfully done on the Metro as a whole. Yeah, it, see, it seems to me like he's got the uh, the Metro kind of cannibalizing itself this year with uh, because he's got Washington in first with 105, Pittsburgh second with 98, Columbus and New Jersey tied at 91. Uh, he's got Carolina and New York, uh, the New York Islanders tied at 87. Philly at 85 and the Rangers at 82. I think that's a little down on Carolina for how I would project them. I think they're still going to be a good team next year, goaltending to be determined. I think the Islanders took a massive step back in goaltending this year. I don't trust Simeon Var- uh, Var- Varlamov as much as I would trust Robin Lehner. I know he's uh, Varlamov is going to split time with Thomas Grice, but Varlamov hasn't really shown that he can do much like he's, I don't, I just don't trust him as much as I would trust Robin Lehner, especially when Lehner had that great season last year. I just, yeah, he's, he's got the, he's really down on the Metro and he's got uh, El Polito. You at, you'd ask, he's got Florida at 94, Montreal at 96, Toronto at 102, Boston at 111 and Tampa Bay at 123. So yeah, he's got, you know, five, five Atlantic teams ahead of third in the Metro. Yeah. I mean, I, chemistry is the one thing that you can't project in any real way. And all the Metro teams, for all the additions that they've made, you have no idea how well those trees are going to mesh together. I would, you know, so one hand, you're surprised to see the Rangers so low, but on the other hand, you know, who, who's to say that they're all going to mesh very well? That is one thing that Columbus has going for it. For the most part, we've had subtractions, obviously three big ones, but there's a whole lot of players that have been together for a while now. And so that chemistry shouldn't be affected early on, in theory. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'm talking myself into <laughs> this being a kind of a legitimate projection, but there is something to be said for that. If a team that does know how to play together um, is able to keep that momentum going, maybe the points will follow. But that goalie question, I think, looms too large. Agreed, agreed. And an hour before we recorded this podcast, we got a tweet from... A guy named Carter, he he said, hey guys, I'm 13 years old and doing season previews for every NHL team. He asked us to check out his preview. So I'm going to run down this. Carter Hood, a 13-year-old 7th grader, wrote about 1,200 words about the Blue Jackets. And he has them finishing 7th in the Metro. He says he's, he, they, don't, they won't be as bad as everybody thinks, but still 7th in the Metro. That is impressive. I can remember what I was doing at 13 years old. And it was not writing long, in-depth previews about hockey. It, it wasn't. I think it was... He was playing uh, WCW and WWE Revenge on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> That's what I spent a lot of time doing. So, so props to him. I'm going to drop his preview in the show notes. But I think what that kind of goes to show is, is like what we've talked about. You know, you know Tampa's going to be good. You know certain teams are going to be good, and you kind of rely on the guy. But like, who the hell knows? I would believe no, third in. I would believe seventh in the Metro. I don't know. No, you're right. No one, no one knows, and it's all dependent on. Uh, can we score goals and can we keep the puck out of our net? That's, you know, we, we were, I think I've read somewhere today that we were plus 25 in goal differential this year. And we're going to have to do at least that, if not better next year to keep up. Right. Right. Well, one strength of the blue jackets that 
the real strength of the Blue Jackets is the defense. And I know these lists are made just to gin everyone up and make everybody mad. And they've kind of been lampooned by virtually everybody on Twitter. But uh, NHL did do, the NHL Network did do a top 20 defenseman list. Seth Jones checking in at number five and Zach Wierenski at number 20. So not bad. You know, you got two defensemen in the top 20 in the whole league, according to this list. I, I'm sure we might take issue with where exactly they were on the list, but two in the top 20. I actually take issue with the idea that we have a top defense. Mm. Mm. Uh, I have spent too much time in the offseason digging into the stats, yep. and it's just not there. The team defense has not been good. That being said, yeah, we have some individual players that are fantastic on the Blue Jackets. I mean, I have... Seth Jones as a top five defenseman, no problem. Wierenski is top 15. I think, what was he? 20. He top 15? He was 20. Was he just right at 20? Another list had him at a little bit mm-hmm. higher, but even top 20 to me is, I think it's fine for Wierenski. Um, partly because personally, I do value more the defensive play. And although I know Toad Dragon is probably screaming at me <laughs> that possession is defense. And yeah, to some degree, I. I like defense to be defense, and I don't mind Zach being at number 20 because he has room to improve there, um, and I think he will. Yeah, no, I'm I'm thrilled with it. I, I, don't, I, I think they are absolutely two of the 20 best defensemen in the league, and El Polito, like you just mentioned, Zach, Zach's only going to be 22 this season. He's got a lot of time to improve his defensive game. That's the hardest thing for an NHL defenseman to learn as they come into the league. Obviously, Seth Jones has matured into a perennial Norris finalist. I, I understand why he's ranked behind some of the guys he is. Um, I might have ranked him above Eric Carlson just because of Carlson's injury history, but it's kind of semantics at this point. But I think they're fine where they are, and I'm really interested to see, like you mentioned, how the team defense works, especially like, do they play more of a defensive style like the Islanders do where the forwards commit back and, you know, more than they have, it, you know, they don't really play a safe as death type of thing anymore. And we really kind of bunker down and, you know, play this conservative style. But I think uh, having two defensemen in the top 20 is great, especially when they're two young kids uh, under team control for a long time. Seth Jones looks like he might be, he's probably going to be the future captain of this team. Zach Wierenski has made no indication that he wants to go anywhere else, contrary to, you know, speculation from every single person who lives in the Detroit area. But um, <laughs> his best friends on the team. Yeah. Oh, my God. They okay. were roommates. Yay. And um, I, I drove through Detroit last uh, this past week. Um, I wouldn't want to live there. OK, <laughs> so uh, um, I, I'm I'm con- I'm fine with uh, where they are, I'm really thrilled that we had two guys in the top 20, especially because we kind of missed out everywhere else on these lists. So um, it's nice to, to see that we have two young studs who would absolutely be, who are or two great guys to build around for the future. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about one of those defensemen that Seeds just mentioned in just a minute. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
We're back, and Zach Wierenski has still not signed. We're three weeks out from training camp. Brian Hedger said uh, last week, Wierenski is looking for a three-year deal, and the cap hit is expected to begin with a five. Rachel, one of our new writers, wrote a piece about this and how really, you know, it's not time to worry yet. There's no reason to panic. And, and, I'm, and I'm not. I'm, I'm personally not. But, you know, every day that goes by is a day he's not signed. That said, we're still a ways out of camp. And even when camp starts, it's not the end of the world. You know why I'm not worried about it? Because Mitch Marner hasn't signed and Braden Point hasn't signed and yeah. Charlie McAvoy haven't signed. If those guys get signed and are in camp and, Br- and then Zach Wrenski's still holding out, then I'll start to be concerned. Until that moment, there's no point. Um, especially if Wrenski isn't asking for the moon like uh, someone else out in Philadelphia appears to be asking for something absurd. Just as good as Wrenski. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> sure. Maybe, maybe this team has made the playoffs in his career. <laughs> but I just, I don't, I'm not worried. I can't bring myself to even would be concerned about this one iota. I I have no doubt that Warrenski and uh, his agent will get this worked out and he'll be in camp. You know, I'm always one of those guys commenting that it's 100% behind a player getting his. So Absolutely. Um, you know, he signs when he wants to sign, when he's getting what he feels is a fair deal. And I would be perfectly fine with that. I'd be fine if he sat out. That doesn't bother me as a fan. I know that's not, <laughs> that is a minority view there, but I'm not worried either. I think... He'll sign before the season starts. I think he'll be on the roster and playing and, and won't miss a beat. So, you know, there is no Wierenski worry for me. Yeah, and, and I think, I don't want to speak for y'all, I think we're all fine with three years and five or six. Like, that's sure, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, if that if that's what he wants, so be it. Like El Polito said, you know, I, I want these guys to get paid and get their money, get, get what they think they're worth. And, you know, we, we, we've seen issues in other sports especially in the last couple of days where you know guys are putting their their safety and health above um playing the actual game so you might as well get paid while you can and if in credit to Wierenski for doing whatever he can to get paid so yeah so but I'm but I don't foresee any concerns with having him in camp and even if he is a couple of days late signing and getting into camp Remember, he's he's slotting back in with a guy he's played next to for the last, for the better part of the last three years. So I don't think there's really going to be any. You know, you got to get the timing right, but that'll take that won't take all that long. Yeah, if he's paired with a top five defenseman, Seth Jones, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think you'll have a big issue. And I would say shout out to Andrew Luck. Congratulations, good luck. I think you made the right call. Absolutely. Good for him. Good on him. Seeds, you mentioned the phrase Zach Wierenski's worth. I want to follow up. Will Chase, who could not be on tonight, wrote an article about when, about Zach Wierenski's worth on and off the ice. Check that out. I will drop it in the show notes on the page. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff this week. Also, if you have not been checking out, been following the top 25, under 25 prospect rundown, uh, they, they've been really fun to read and they've been really fun to write. I did Tra- Trey Fix Wolanski, who I cannot not say or imagine in a very Northern Ohio accent. Trafix Walansky, Walansky, <laughs> and it's cool to like read about these guys, and especially now that we're getting into the meat of uh, really the top ten, which you could argue really the only prospects that are you know have a chance at making the team anytime soon. It's fun to read these and get excited about these guys, and it's fun to write them as well. I'm working on Texier to be published later. Who knows? 
Who can say when? I won't say when. But to be published later. And this guy played in three leagues last year. I mean, I know that and I remember that. But going back and just tracking it and, and looking forward to this year, it's been really fun. I don't know. I don't know how much fun you guys have had, but I, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it. Uh, you know, it's been interesting to see where people have been slotting. You know, at the last from 18 to 25, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. But as we get higher into it and people are slotting players differently, that's been the more fun part for me. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of guys that are going to help the Blue Jackets, though. I really mm. don't. I, you know, are the top 25 take out the ones that are already in the, on the team and maybe four, maybe five others, mm-hmm. are, I think, might make it. I mean, I, you know, the Gavrikov article is going to come soon. That's the one that I, that's my last submission to the top 25. And for all of our excitement about him, when I stop to think about it, our excitement is just the fact that he might make the third pair, right? Yeah. I mean, our top yeah. four set, our top five, really, if Mary's healthy. So a lot of us are very pumped about Gabrikov, but it's basically just hoping that he takes over for Harrington. Like that's... Yeah. And, and, and we have consistently talked about him as being one of our top prospects. So it's an interesting dichotomy there in that high hope versus maybe not actually that much opportunity on the team. I'm not going to complain about anyone taking over for Scott Harrington ever. <laughs> I just want to throw he that He just out signed a deal. Oh, God. But what's been fun for me, like, I agree with you guys. I don't think there's a lot of help for the Blue Jackets in this prospect pipeline. I think our pro- I think our pipeline's really thin. Like, when we, when we were doing the writer's rankings, I remember going through it, and I was like, guys, I, I can't get past 15 here. Like, this is this is hard because... Once I get once I get into that last ten, there's not really anyone I see making an NHL impact here. And then some of the guys who are in the top five, like I'm, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast or who's ever met me in person knows I'm writing about Zach Wierenski whenever he comes up. So, and, and, and he's already and he's already on the roster. So, but what I what I have found the most fun of these to write was um, I did number nine, uh, Venny Vevelainen. And I didn't really pay all that close attention to him last season. Mm-hmm. And that kid was outstanding over in Europe. Like, I'm really excited to see how he does in Cleveland this year. You know, coming over, he's going to be like 22 or 23. I'm sorry, I don't know the exact age off the top of my head. But he's going to be, He's gonna, you know, he's a young young 20s kid uh, making the transition to North America. Presumably, he's going to get a lot of ice time because we've got Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens fighting for the starting spot up here. And if neither one of them grabs it, they're both uh, up for contracts next summer. And Vevelinen could make a push for the starting job in Columbus. Like we've got a, we've got a nice little goalie battle going on here in the organization. So and Vevelinen led the uh, the Liga over in uh, Sweden um, last year in. Goal or in goals against, save percentage, wins, and shutouts. They ended up losing in the championship um, series, but that he had an outstanding season, an outstanding playoffs. So it was really fun to learn about a uh, Finnish goaltender that I hadn't really paid all that much attention to, but now he's going to be in North America. So I look forward to following Elaine's uh, Monsters coverage this year and seeing mm-hmm. how he does. Well, I've been unreasonably geeked about Double V for a while. <laughs> I don't. I, you know, everything I read about him, I looked at Corey Parman's uh, article on The Athletic about Columbus Blue Jackets farm system and his commentary around Double V was basically that he doesn't seem to be spectacular, but all of his results are. And that's something I would much rather see and hear than 
Well, he has all the physical tools, but he can't put it together. You know, so if we have a goalie in the in the pipeline who is getting it done, I am very excited to see if he can do it in the AHL. I have completely unrealistic dreams of him being the next Hashek. I hope he even wears the same helmet. I don't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am. I am on that train. Um, I'm really hoping that he pulls through. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. And every I think every fan base overestimates and overhypes their own prospects. You know, Milano is somebody that everybody agrees should probably be on the team in, in a perfect world. Not that he's earned it, but, you know, by this point in his development, he should be an NHLer and he's not. So that's a separate issue. We've talked about that. Anyway, mo- moving on, moving on. <laughs> Speaking of things that are fun to write, Seeds, I'm pretty sure you had fun writing your great moments in CBJ history piece. Game four, 2014, Jackets Penguins. Oh, buddy, did I? <laughs> that that was that was a lot of fun to go back and um, relive that night. Watch watch all the highlights. Re, just remember remember all the hazy memories that are kind of there. You know, you might you kind of had you kind of have to celebrate a game like that. Spent, well, because I was because I was in the arena for that. As if those of you who haven't read the article, um, I wrote about the first ever home playoff victory in Blue Jackets history when the Blue Jackets beat the Penguins 4-3 in overtime after staging a massive comeback where they fell down three goals in the first 11 minutes and then Brandon Dubinsky scored what, maybe the most iconic goal in franchise history or at least one of the top five. I have two monitors at work and one of them is Panarin's goal, the ap- the celebration of Panarin's goal in game four against Tampa and the other one is that one and has been on my desktop since 2014. I mean, yeah, it's it's it, it's iconic. What? When Brandon Dubin, I I wish I could explain explain to anyone who wasn't in the arena what it was like in the arena because I was at Game Three when the Jackets went up three zero against Tampa Bay. It wasn't nearly as loud as when Brandon Dubinsky scored that game winner or that game a game tying goal. Excuse me, Brandon Dubinsky scored that game tying yeah. goal mm-hmm. because I I legitimately thought the roof was coming off the building and then and then you know everyone has to settle down. We're getting ready to go into overtime, and I don't know to a to a man in the arena. I didn't think, or everyone. It seemed like everyone around me was thinking, "There's no way they're going to lose, right? right? Like you, you don't you don't lose after that happens." And then so everyone tries to go buy beer, and the arena has cut beer sales off. <laughs> way to go! Way to go nationwide. Um, and then Felino comes out and does what he does, and it was. I mean, it was the craziest atmosphere I've ever been a part of in my life. I, like I mentioned in the article, I literally, I went to the game by myself. I, I was sitting next to this like older couple. I mean, mid to late fifties. The old, the old, the the wife of the couple gave me a hug, and I literally cried on her shoulder because I was just <laughs> overcome with emotion in that moment. It was bar none one of the coolest sporting things I've ever been to. So yeah, it was just fun to write about and reflect on all those wonderful memories of that night. It was just incredible. It was one of the nights I will never forget in my life. In that photo of Dubinsky cheering, there is, and I could, I could draw this from memory. I don't have to look at it, but there is obviously people cheering, but there's a couple making out like they haven't seen each other in six months. (laughs) And it is just so perfect. It's like that the war is over celebration. That's what everybody looks like. And it was, such a huge moment. And I and I swear, I, I linked it in my, my thing to you. I have watched the video of Brandon Dubinsky scoring in game four more than any other video on YouTube in my life. YouTube's been around for 10 years. 
there's nothing I've watched more. I will watch it probably once a month, several times a month. It just pops into my head and then I have to go watch it. So, and I know, my, and here's the thing, here's the thing. I know too, like Pittsburgh fans, like I know they hear that and they hear us talk about it. And it's like, you guys didn't even win that series. I know you look, I know again, don't care. Don't care. If I, if I could throw out there my, my personal favorite blue jackets, YouTube video, Ryan, um, there is a there is a compilation. There's like a 25 minute compilation of all the goals scored during the uh, 16 game winning streak. I probably watch that once or twice a month. <laughs> uh, I've watched the Hadesy the the old Hadesy commercials from the uh, late aughts a lot. But just to pipe in on that because I have to it's YouTube, but for me it's the Savard goal against Tampa Bay. I'm pretty sure I had that on loop. Oh yeah, for a, a solid week. Just because the unexpectedness of who was doing it against, who he did it against, the goalie in net, it was just, I, they were not going to see that again. We probably shouldn't have seen it the first time, but it happened. <laughs> right. So. David Savard's dirty dangles. Just undressing mm-hmm. Victor Hedman. But I, I think, Ryan, you should probably look up to see if there's a, how many children named Doobie <laughs> uh, were born in 2014 from four on four years old now, right? So, right. You know, yeah. Could be a thing. <laughs> I would have done it if my if my, if I if I had the opportunity to name a child, then it wouldn't even been in a discussion. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> all right, we are running out of time. It is time for final thoughts. I'm going to do mine first because mine is actually asking something of you guys. So I'm sure everybody knows by now the website Cameo. If you don't, it is a service where you can book athletes and celebrities and people who think they're celebrities to do a video message for whatever you want. And prices range from $15 to hundreds of dollars depending on the celebrity. A couple of weeks ago, I booked a NASCAR driver to congratulate my brother-in-law on beating a raid in Destiny. And he did it and it was great and it was funny (laughs) and he did a great job and it cost me $15. Like, I I love it, I'm so happy. And I know there's like a pretty big irony factor and kind of like some of it's kind of sad because these people are doing video messages and some of them are very bad at it and some of them are very good at it and i know there's a lot more sociology behind it but i'm embracing it there are a lot of hockey players on there about 50 some of them legends you've got some hall of famers on there you've got grant fear you've got you know jeremy Bronick. no blue jackets there is a guy named todd richards but he's a snowboarder and they misqualified him or they mislabeled him I saw Blue Jackets and I was like, that's not that Todd Richards. But Ryan Johansson is on there for $75. My question to you for your, I mean, not for your final thoughts, but to start off your final thoughts. If you could book a hockey player, past, present, living or dead, who would you book? And maybe, I don't know if you have an idea of what you'd want them to say, but that is my final thought. I love Cameo. I've been browsing a lot because the other part is that a lot of the videos, they default to public. So you can watch Brett, the hitman heart, wish somebody like a happy bot mitzvah or whatever, because they didn't (laughs) put that in private. I don't know, but you can go down a rabbit hole looking at who's on there and looking at their videos. And I've, I've lost an entire Sunday going through and playing (laughs) the game with my brother. Like how much do you think this person charges for cameos? And can you believe this person is on there? And I have a list of people, uh, that I, that I need to get on cameo so that I can make my brother watch the videos. Anyway, that is my, that is my final thought. I would okay. I'm going to pick uh, Nick Lidstrom to wish my uh, my best friend Jeremy uh, a happy birthday because I'm pretty sure Jeremy would drop dead of shock <laughs> on the spot. A lot of them are birthdays. Let's be real. A lot of them are birthdays. Jeremy lives in uh, Jeremy lives in Lansing. He he's kind of like a hockey 
uh, he he's a fan of the wings. He's a fan of the Kings. He's a bit, he, but he loves like defensemen. So, and he loves like Nick Lidstrom. So I'm pretty sure Jeremy getting a hello from Nick Lidstrom would literally end his life. Uh, I just want to point out Darren McCarty is on there. And I, I just want you to guess how much do you think it costs to get Darren McCarty to wish your friend a happy birthday or to, to tell, to, to tell somebody also a lot of them are like, buck up things are going to be okay messages which is actually very sweet but how much do you think it would cost Darren mccarty to do that 420 <laughs> that's very good <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> that's very good and top we saved his life yeah 100 no idea how much 100 100 but he will turn yours around in four hours which is lightning fast so sorry see they did not mean to step on your your camera oh, that's you're, a good that's a good fantasy fine. cameo these are incredible. I didn't know this was a thing. I'm I'm on this website right you now. You are going to lose hours of your life. Okay, so while he does that, I'll give you mine and my final thought, and he can come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give Eric some time there. Uh, you know, I I say I have to say that I would probably a celebrity. I would do Jeff Bridges Ooh. from the Big Lebowski, I should say. So I would choose Jeff Bridges to just give me some kind of uplifting, soothing message. But for a hockey player. Uh, I want Ilya Rizgarov. Oh, I want him to give me some kind of reusable, why you have to be mad kind of message sure. so that anytime my wife gets upset, <laughs> I can just play it. And um, she won't know who it is, but I will, and I will feel better. And money will stop. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, my final thought here is, you know, I've been, you know, joined the writers from the commentariat not too long ago, and I guess I've, I've enjoyed doing it so far, and, and I'm hoping that I've been providing content that folks like to read. I'm hoping they comment more because I like the back and forth. I want to get into it. I am still a commenter, mm -hmm. uh, but this has been fun and um, I'm very glad to have been able to join the team. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And we mentioned it, but you're a series on breaking down the elite parts that you mentioned specifically about the defense early in the podcast has been great. So yeah, love, love what you're doing. I'm glad you're finally able to join the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. You've been fantastic, and I've learned I've learned a lot. Your your breakdowns were great. I've learned a lot of stuff from you, and it's been great to have you on the podcast tonight. So thank you for making your podcast debut tonight. My final thought is much more trivial and much, and or it's much more trivial and more it's kind of pop culture related. But uh, this morning, the Disney released for public consumption the Star Wars footage for the last uh, or the mm. Rise of Skywalker. I just want to say that I am ludicrously over the moon excited for this movie. I don't know if you guys watched it, if you guys are into it, but this film looks incredible. It's tying up the Skywalker saga. I'm going to see it opening night on the biggest screen I possibly can <laughs> because I, rem I remember growing up and having the original trilogy on VHS um, before George Lucas remastered it and added a bunch of CGI garbage Ruined to it. it. So, Ruined yeah, it. exactly. So I'm I'm really, really. But seeing like there's there's a scene in the trailer where all these Star Destroyers come out of light speed and are just sitting in this atmosphere of this planet. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel like 10 years old again. My eyes got real wide. It was really, really cool to see. So I'm I'm really excited for that. So that's been the highlight of my my Monday today. Really thought it was going to be up about the crew. Oh, yeah. Um, LOL, FC, Cincinnati, Columbus still owns Ohio. Ohio is black and gold. Oh, good. Good to have you on seats. <laughs> All right. That will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. 
Angela Purley's new album, 430, is fantastic. Go check it out. You can stream it. You can find more at AngelaPurley.com. Thank you for listening. Rate us, leave us a review wherever you find our podcast. Send us your comments, questions. Tweet at us at CBJCanon. And of course, we are on the internet at JacketsCanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.